Thank you for listening to the Coal Mine Podcast. This is David Cole from Dallas, Texas, and it's August 16th, 2020. We often hear the word conservative used near the word judge or the word court. What does that actually mean in the real world of actual cases and controversies decided in the courts? Today, I look ahead to this fall's docket in the United States Supreme Court, which includes two very important constitutional opinions from our local Federal Court of Appeals, the Fifth Circuit. That means the thinking of these two conservative federal appellate courts are about to come into direct contact, and when they do, we may get some specific reference points about what it really means to be a conservative judicial thinker. First, a little background. The U.S. Supreme Court is the highest court in the judicial system of the United States, the only court expressly mentioned in our Constitution. Unlike all the other federal courts, and there are many, the Supreme Court has a discretionary docket. It picks and chooses the cases that it wants to hear based on its beliefs about the ones that are the most important to decide, or either on their own merit or because there's a conflict among other courts, different reasons such as those. It receives petitions from a wide range of courts. There are 13 intermediate courts of appeal in the federal system, different geographical regions, and a specialized one for patents. And the court can also consider cases raising issues of federal or constitutional law from the state court. So they have a lot of cases coming in, and they can only hear a few. The court these days is often referred to as the Roberts Court, in honor of Chief Justice Roberts, and it's been well documented that it's considered to be a conservative court. Five of the justices were appointed by Republican presidents and four by Democratic presidents. From time to time, there'll be a swing one way or another, but by and large, the opinions of the court are considered to be politically conservative in the results that are reached. Here locally, our federal court of appeals is the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. It takes appeals from federal trial courts in Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi, much larger when it was created, covering most of the South all the way to the Atlantic. It was divided in 1981 because that had just become unworkable as population grew in the South. In a nod to the uh, southern past of the court, the main courthouse where they meet to have oral arguments when there's not a a pandemic going on uh, is in New Orleans in a beautiful old building in the middle of the downtown area. The court has been considered a conservative one for quite some time. President Reagan appointed a number of young uh, conservative judges in the 1980s. That significantly uh, affected the makeup of the court. It was a significant majority of judges appointed by Republican presidents that slowly drifted down over the years until the election of President Trump. And say what you will about some of the issues where the administration has not been well-organized and disciplined in the area of judicial selection. It has been a well-oiled machine filling vacancies uh, throughout the federal court system nationwide. The Fifth Circuit is no exception. As of now, there are 17 active duty positions, of which six are filled by nominees made by President Trump. That's a third of the judges that solidified the reputation of the Fifth Circuit as a conservative uh, court in its judicial philosophy and outlook. That background is what brings us to the two cases that I'm discussing in today's episode. The first, California versus Texas, came originally from a trial court in the North Texas area. It is a challenge to the constitutionality of what is left of Obamacare after Congress repealed the so-called individual mandate. You may recall a couple of years ago, the uh, original version of Obamacare went to the U.S. Supreme Court. There was a constitutional challenge to it. And in an opinion written by Chief Justice Roberts, the court found it constitutional, defending it as an exercise of Congress's taxing power. 
of course, now with the repeal, there is no longer a tax. So that rationale has become a moot. Uh, the question is whether the remaining portions of the act raise constitutional questions, and if so, if there is another justification besides the taxing power. The Fifth Circuit sits in three judge panels because it's just not feasible to bring together the entire court for every issue. Uh, one of those panels uh, heard this case and decided two to one that it was no longer constitutional. Obamacare was no longer constitutional after the uh, individual mandate had been removed. You then have the opportunity to petition the full court to consider a case. They do take a small percentage of cases uh, to New Orleans for review by the full court all sitting together. They had a vote about it and decided not to do so, and the vote is very telling. It was split eight to six against rehearing the case en banc. In other words, the panel opinion, finding Obamacare unconstitutional, would stand. And that shows the impact of the new Trump appointments because of the eight to six margin that could not have been uh, created that way without a significant participation by the new judges that he had appointed. The second case, Collins versus Mnuchin, goes to the structure of a very powerful agency created in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. The CFPB is one of the many administrative agencies that our government relies upon to administer and regulate our complex modern economy and society. And despite the unquestionable importance of agencies like the CFPB and the many others that come to mind quickly, the IRS, the FTC, so on and so forth, there is surprisingly little law about how an agency has to be structured so that it is consistent with the separation of powers framework in the Constitution. The CFPB has drawn special attention in the courts, though, because it has a structure that is uniquely insulated for an administrative agency from the work of the political branches of government. The agency is headed by a single director who can only be removed for cause by the president and is otherwise exempt from Congress's appropriations process. A three-judge panel of the Fifth Circuit, and we discussed a minute ago how most of their work is done in such panels, considered the issues about the constitutionality of this agency, and it came out with three different opinions uh, dealing with different aspects of the question. The case then went to the full court, grant, granted en banc review, uh, instead of simply having a vote, as in the previous case, and a majority of the en banc Fifth Circuit, the full court, held that the agency was not constitutionally structured. There was insufficient accountability between the structure of the agency and the political branches of government, in particular the executive branch. The court went on to have some holdings about what exactly that means in terms of actions by the agency that were being challenged in that case. This was not the only case about the CFPB, its structure uh, being a little unusual and the obvious importance to the economy of the work that it does drew it to get scrutiny with other courts. They approached the issue differently to the Fifth Circuit, and the Supreme Court has granted review of all of those cases and will be considering them in its 2020-2021 term. The issues presented by these cases are very important in their own right. It's important to know the structure of the national health care system, and it's important to know the structure, the permissible structure, of administrative agencies, since so much of the day-to-day -day operation of our government is done by those agencies that are entrusted with specific aspects of our society. There is a traditional politically conservative view about the, both of those questions, and the Ambach Fifth Circuit, the full body of the many judges on the Fifth Circuit, sided with that conservative view in its analysis of the legal issues about the constitutionality of the remainder of Obamacare and the structure of this particular consumer agency. 
Those legal questions will be important. There will be interesting conclusions reached, and they will be very influential in not only these issues but in broader structural issues about how our government functions in years ahead. But here in the Fifth Circuit, the immediate question will be, is the newly constituted, staunchly conservative Fifth Circuit in sync, in connection with the thinking of the conservative Roberts Court, or has its brand of conservatism moved beyond what the Roberts Court feels to be the best way of interpreting the nation's laws? What is a conservative court? Who is a conservative judicial thinker? Lawyers would generally agree that the Roberts Court and the Fifth Circuit, as made up after the Trump appointments beginning in 2016, are conservative courts. But not all conservative courts and conservative ways of thinking are the same, and a question posed by the fall agenda of the Supreme Court and its review of these two decisions by the full set of judges on the Fifth Circuit raises the question, can you be too conservative? The questions about the constitutionality of the remainder of Obamacare and the structure of the agency that we call the CFPB are important legal ones, and they are important philosophically. We'll find out this fall if these two courts are of one mind on those issues, or if the Fifth Circuit has proceeded so far in its thinking that it has become too conservative for the comfort of the Roberts Court on these issues. Mm -hmm.